First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Listen up, everybody. I went from being, well, a hater of Aaron Rodgers to someone who is now kind of obsessed with the now Jets quarterback. I'm going to tell you why, and I think you're going to be on board. I'll kick the morning starts right now. Hello and good morning, everybody. Welcome on into Outkick the Morning. I am your host, Charlie Arnold. Hope you're all having a fabulous Thursday so far. And listen, I want to start things off by making, well, I guess a confession. I did not like Aaron Rodgers for a long time. To me, he came across as arrogant and brash, and I heard firsthand from people that were close to him that he was not the easiest person to get along with. Plus, the fact that it was open knowledge, he was estranged from his family, kind of weirded me out some. Obviously, I respected his talent. I mean, he's a four-time MVP and a Super Bowl champion, but internally, it was hard for me to cheer from him from at least a football perspective. But wow, things have definitely changed because I've learned Rodgers is about as authentic as they come, from his choice to not get vaccinated, to burrowing himself in a dark hole for days, to using ayahuasca, which is a plant-based psychedelic drug. He is not ashamed about who he is. And I get it because people like Aaron Rodgers— and like that type, can be very polarizing. And generally, you either hate them or you love them. I also know that real recognizes real, which is why Pat McAfee, who also can be considered one of the most genuine voices in all of sports, continually has Rodgers on his show. And this week, we got an awesome one-liner from the Jets quarterback in regards to the NFL's biggest Swifty, Travis Kelsey. Listen to this. That we hung with the, you know, with the champs and and that, uh, you know, our defense played well and, and you know, uh, Pat didn't have a crazy game. And, uh, you know, Mr. Pfizer, we kind of shut him down a little bit. He didn't have, you know, his, like, crazy impact game. Obviously, he had, you know, some yards and stuff. But I felt like for the most part, you know, we played really tough on defense especially the last three quarters. And um, that was important for us. Uh, offensively, you know, we, we got we got some ways to go. But I felt like we showed a lot of improvement. But we got to keep sticking together and, and I felt like the guys after the game, uh, you know, did a good job of taking accountability, especially Zach. And and that's the kind of stuff we need to see move forward. <laughs> okay, Mr. Pfizer is the best nickname I've ever heard of in my life. And Pat McAfee, as you could see, could barely contain his laughter. Uh, that was an awesome segment. And obviously this dig was in relation to Kelsey appearing in a Pfizer ad for the COVID vaccine, which, by the way, did any of you hear the mainstream media call him out for this political stunt? Oh, you didn't? Interesting, I didn't either. Uh, But remember when everybody and their mom was giving Rogers crap when he was outed for not being vaccinated? Well, now the liberal media is back at it again and trying to cancel Rogers for expressing his really quite hilarious opinion. Listen to what Chris Canty on ESPN Radio had to say. He thinks he's cute. I just told you he's a narcissist. He thinks he's cute. Like he walks into a room and thinks that he's the smartest man in the room, no matter what room it is. Like the automatic assumption, I'm the smartest guy in the room. Like this gives me... 
<laughs> and the irony of that is this is the guy that stepped into a press conference and was asked when he, whether or not he was vaccinated. He said, I was, quote, unquote, immunized. Like, this is who Aaron Rodgers is. I don't know why anybody else is surprised. Like, I hear all of these things, and I say, that's who this dude is. He is a narcissist. He wants it all to be about him. He wants everybody to think that he's the smartest person in the room, and nothing about what's happened over the last six or eight months is going to change. All right, well, here's what I have to say in response to Chris Canty. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is the smartest guy in the room. I mean, he believes in the freedom of choice. He practices patriotism. He doesn't follow the status quo. He has a healthy heart. You see what I did there? Uh, and he's still making 50 million bucks a year. And he's 39 years old. I don't know. Sounds pretty smart to me. I think it's time for mainstream media to give it up. In terms of ESPN, all I have to say is thank God for Pat McAfee, though you know the company executives had to do some major damage control on their end after that incredible comment. But obviously, Pfizer, they know what they're doing, making Kelsey the face of the company, using a celebrity like him to lure in sports fan and a younger demographic to buy into the COVID vaccine. But does that political tactic work? To shed some light on this, along with a whole array of topics, I am now joined by Gavin Wax, president of the New York Young Republicans Club. Gavin, how are you today? I'm great, Charlie. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so let's get into it uh, from the perspective at which I was just addressing. So we continually see the left using cultural icons, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, also another one. Interestingly enough, they're they're dating now. Uh, a heard, lot of, a lot of debate whether that's a legitimate relationship. Uh, but they're using people like this, celebrities, to push woke products, also woke political agendas. It's clearly working. Otherwise, I don't think the left would be sinking their teeth into these people as much as they are. Uh, but before we get into it, let's take a look at the Pfizer ad in which Kelsey starred in recently. Travis, did you know you can get this season's COVID-19 shot when you get your flu shot? Oh, two things at once. Two things at once! Two things at once! I'll have the... Two things at once, please. Now, back to two things at once. Two things at once. It's not two things at once. Mom! All right. So from the looks of it, they're clearly glamorizing the COVID shot, the COVID booster. Uh, this doesn't at all scream Pfizer to me. I mean, to put Kelsey in this position was just rather odd. But the question is, like I said, it's clearly working. Uh, it's having the influence they want. But why is the right not doing the same thing to influence voters? And what is it going to take at this point for them to capture this mainstream audience that they're looking for? Well, look, I think broadly speaking, the right has a massive problem penetrating the culture, whether it's the arts, whether it's even sports, which really should be our domain. We're constantly on the retreat. We're constantly on the back foot. Uh, the thing I will push back on you, though, is to say that is this fully working? I think it's waning. I think their influence is waning. I think they need to do these, frankly, pretty cheesy ads uh, with NFL players to really push the mm -hmm. message home. Why? Because they see, you know, younger people are beginning to drift away. I mean, there's an inherent, like, counterculture built into being young. You know, whatever the orthodoxy is, whatever the elites are, whatever the, you know, the man is, so to speak, you want to be, you know, against that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe in the 1960s, you know, the establishment was conservative. But now the establishment is, you know, super liberal, actually leftist. So you're starting to see Gen Z, the Zoomers, as they're called, kind of push back a bit. And I think what they're doing is they see the trend lines, you know, the kind of the left wing media executives, they see the trend lines and they want to plant seeds with, you know, commercials like this and whatever it may be. So they're still really, you know, doubling down on this cultural fight. And we have to understand as 
conservatives, Republicans, that we can't just fight politically, we have to fight culturally, spiritually, and all the rest. Yeah, so what did you think about, just as, as one example, when Vivek decided to get on TikTok, which was something we haven't seen yeah. from most of the older conservatives, at least those that are running for the presidency? So TikTok's weird because TikTok, you know, obviously I have my issues with it being under the CCP's control and all the rest, but as a platform, it really doesn't penalize conservatives or, you know, censor conservatives in the way some other platforms do. Vivek doing it, Vivek, Vivek, whatever his name is, uh, <laughs> him doing it, you know, he could be a little cringy. You know, we saw his rapping the other, uh, the other month. <laughs> we did so, see that, yeah. you know, I, I give him props for trying, you know, maybe he tries a little bit too hard. I think that's his biggest problem. He's a bit of a try hard. Uh, but listen, if he wants to, you know, dive into those waters, I understand you know, why he's doing it. There's definitely a, a point to be made there. I definitely do not respect someone like, you know, Nikki Haley coming out talking about TikTok and her daughters doing dance videos on the app. So it's yeah. like, you know, pick your lane. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think there's a lot of things that the younger generation, like you just mentioned, uh, the Zoomers are seeing through, right? Uh, they're not stupid. Uh, another idea is that the idea of meritocracy has almost completely vanished in a lot of senses. Uh, for example, we saw ESPN pushing a race-baiting narrative. They have a new show out that highlights black athletes, uh, even though, interestingly enough, it was just announced a few days ago by the company's president, CEO, that they were steering clear of being involved in the race wars. But take a look at this, and uh, you can tell me what you think. I spoke to athletes and experts to explore issues at the intersection of race, sports, and society today. You advocate for black people in the United States, there is a price to pay. Why is it price okay, so not only this, uh, but Gavin also, after the Black Lives Matter protests, the S&P 100 added more than 300,000 300, jobs. 94% of those went to people of color. Yeah. Uh, so all of these things being said, have you noticed an attitude shift in Gen Z and also millennials in terms of seeing stuff like this happen? People are definitely realizing it. It's being pushed down their throats constantly. And, you know, you, you see this, basically, these, this propaganda. I mean, people used to watch sports to get away from politics, to get away from all, you know, current events exactly. and to bring people together. Now they're tuning into politics. You got the Black National Anthem. You got these, these little segments that they're doing. It's constant. It's in their face. It's like too much. It's cringy. And I think young people see it and they're constantly inundated with it. And not just, you know, when they come home to watch a game. They're also getting it at school or, or on college campuses or wherever else. So I think it's just so overwhelming. People are just kind of repulsed and disgusted. And I think it's helping us, but we need to be there to galvanize, you know, people's, you know, pushing back on it. We need to be there to actually offer an alternative and say, no, this is not how the country needs to be run. We don't mm -hmm. need to have this constant racialization of our society, constantly talking about race, making everything about race. We can be the country we were 20, 30 years ago when, you know, it seemingly things were a lot better. I mean, we didn't have these same types of, you know, discussions in the early 2000s or the 90s. It wasn't that long ago. So we can return to that. I think young people would like to return to that. And I think everyone is getting sick of it. And I think the only people that are really buying into this stuff is a certain vocal minority of the country that are in positions of power, whether it's on, you know, Madison Avenue with the advertising agencies or in corporate America in the boardrooms. I mean, they're a vocal minority. They're organized, but they're certainly not the majority of the country, especially young people. Yeah, well, there's one man who's trying to get us back to that same place. I'm obviously talking about former President Donald Trump. Uh, every time something happens to him, this continual witch hunt, I mean, he's four indictments in, he's, you know, embroiled in a civil fraud case right now. It's just, it's never ending, but we're seeing his poll numbers continually rise. Uh, the latest poll showing that he has a 57 point lead. The idea of any other candidate catching up at this point, it's, it's laughable. I mean, we can just be honest. So why at this point, knowing that his lead is so outstanding, 
and also the fact that we know and we see time and time again the government is being weaponized, have all the other candidates not just said, listen, this is time for us to rally behind President Trump and put him in a position where we're unified? Listen, I mean, I would I would welcome that. I know the uh, the president's team recently put out a statement saying, you know, cancel the last debate. Let's, you know, start focusing the RNC's resources on, you know, a, a litany of other issues in anticipation of the general election. I mean, he has never pulled this well. And, and frankly, no presidential contender has pulled this well uh, in a primary in decades. And then he's also polling amazing in the general election, which people fail to mention. This wasn't the case in 2020. This wasn't the case in 2016. Uh, so we're definitely seeing a historic resurgence uh, of the president's popularity in the primary and in the general election. And you have these other, you know, frankly, these clowns who are in it for, you know, they want a CNN gig, they want to build their email list, they're trying to build their brand. Uh, it's ego-driven, it's petty-driven, mm -hmm. it's donor-driven. Uh, you know, all they're doing is holding the party back from pivoting to the general election. And that's why President Trump has done rallies in places like Pennsylvania and in Michigan with the with the auto workers, because he's already made the pivot to the general election. But th there's no catching up now. I mean, we're, we're, what, three months away or four months away from the first... Uh, contest. I mean, this entire uh, primary is over, and it's been over, mm -hmm. and the polls continue to rise. He's being seen as a martyr. People are rallying to him because of these cases, because of the civil case, the, mm -hmm. the criminal case. It's the complete opposite of what the consultants said. They said people would run from him. No, they're running to him. Well, and it's interesting because there are different groups around the country, uh, minorities in particular, who are now starting to really garner more support for President Trump as well. And it was interesting because just on social media, I saw yesterday, there was a rapper, her name is Sexy Red. Uh, she's, a, you know, a very- Not on my Spotify, she, but yes. Not on mine as well, but she's a very young uh, black rapper. And she just came out and said that there are a lot of people now who support President Trump and she's one of them, which is something you would not expect to hear ordinarily from someone like this. Yeah. So- it, no, I that, mean, it's, it, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy to see me. We were just mentioning TikTok. You go on TikTok, you see people like these man on the street videos. They're, they're approaching, you know, people that wouldn't, you wouldn't expect them to be Trump supporters. Many Hispanics, many blacks, many uh, Asians, many, you know, younger people. And they're all coming out for Trump. And if you look at the numbers he was able to pull, even last cycle, I mean, he had historic showing among uh, working class Hispanic communities, working class black communities. He's building a coalition that actually transcends the Republican Party. It's a, a coalition that can win state in the Midwest, in Michigan, in PA, in Wisconsin. These are states that Republicans haven't won before Trump since Reagan. So he's he's broadening the coalition and he's doing it by just being authentic. It's not pandering. It's not consultant driven. It's not focus group driven. They just like him for him mm -hmm. and his authenticity, which goes a long way in the age of social media. Uh, and you're seeing it, you know, you're seeing his numbers across the board in cohorts that we never thought possible for a Republican. So because his support is so booming, wouldn't it make sense for all the other candidates to use the massive resources that they've raised from their campaigns to fight the left and help the Republican Party as a whole instead of looking to continually fight each other. I mean, I would argue that. I mean, obviously, that ends the gravy train for a certain select few who are profiting <laughs> off this primary. And, you know, they get to do, you know, massive contracts, you know, consulting gigs, you know, ad buys, whatever it is. I mean, the entire thing is a racket. And that's really what it, what it be appears to be. I mean, you watch the kitty debates on, uh, on, on television. These, these, it's, it's a joke. I mean, everyone watches it. And, and then Trump's polls go up and he wasn't even there because they just see we don't want the rest of this field. We want Trump. We, we see the rest of the field. We've seen enough. 
no need to continue this. If they had some self-respect, they would drop out. I think that many of them will be dropping out before the first contest, before some of them get embarrassed. But, you know, until that happens, we're, we're in it for, you know, the next few months. And, uh, you know, they're going to keep spending their money and uh, the party's only going to grow uh, further divided while uh, the left is uh, preparing to counter Trump. Okay, just hypothetically, if this were to be the course of action that the candidates would potentially take, do you think the donors would ever go for that? Uh, I think the donors are, you know, furious and I think they're looking for answers and they're throwing money at the wall and it's not sticking. And, uh, you know, they're not going to allow uh, many of these candidates to do the right thing. And I think that's the problem. I think there's too much money in American politics. I think it's influencing things uh, in a distorted way. And because of that, that's why we're seeing this clown show continue. <laughs> a clown show it is, uh, especially what's happening right now with Kevin McCarthy obviously being ousted as House Speaker. And now prominent Republicans are calling on Trump to step into that position, uh, something that would be kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, unprecedented measures call for unprecedented moves. Do you see something like that actually happening? Because Trump has said he's willing to do whatever it takes to help the party. I think President Trump would do it. I think it'd be hilarious to at least have a vote on it. And I would love to see him with the gavel. You know, he posted on uh, Truth with his gavel pick. It was very funny. I don't know if he's going to have the votes. I mean, believe it or not, I think even though he has this, we're talking about this overwhelming majority in the primary, you know, 50, 60 percent plus, uh, even more in some cases. But you look at actual the, 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 co the congressional makeup of uh, the Republican House conference, it's not reflective of that massive majority that he has, mm. sadly. Uh, so I don't know if he'll have the numbers, but I think uh, whoever will get, uh, I think should be, you know, an improvement in many ways. And look, I think this whole process was healthy. You know, people are going to say, oh, well, the left is, you know, they're, they're united, all this, that and the other. But, you know, we're, we're, we're individualistic. You know, we, we have our, you know, we have our healthy debates within, a, within the party. Yeah. We have our healthy debates on the right. And I think it's a good thing. And we're going to constantly strive for better leadership. And uh, there were disagreements and there were a lot of fights. But here we are. I think at the end of the day, most Americans uh, are more worried about what's happening at the uh, grocery store with mm -hmm. their with their bills, with their receipts. Uh, paying rent, paying their mortgage than they are about, you know, internal inside baseball on Capitol Hill. It's just kind of outside of the realm of most people's, you know, attention. Yeah, well, obviously, you just mentioned some of the issues plaguing our country. Uh, there are certain issues that are really, I would say, more pressing for the younger generations. Uh, one of them is that a new survey by Harris Poll for Bloomberg shows that nearly half of all young adults right now are living with their parents. 45% of people ages 18 to 29 are living at home. That's roughly the same level it was in the 1940s. And the biggest reason, Gavin, according to the survey, is that they're moving home to save money because they cannot afford to be on their own. Yep. Who do we have to blame? Uh, Bidenomics. Uh, what's the sentiment around young people? Because the whole goal, right? You go to high school. Yep. You hopefully go to college. A lot of people probably making the move to go to community colleges yep. or in-state rather than maybe going to the dream schools before. Uh, maybe not moving to New York City, which is a dream destination for so many now. Now they're living at home. Uh, what's the sentiment? Well, the sentiment is that we're, we're, we're going through a lost generation. I mean, young people, you know, they're not doing as well as their parents or their grandparents. It's the first in American history. Uh, you know, we're seeing kind of what, 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 what has been going on in Europe for many decades. You have people that just can't get jobs. They can't get good paying jobs. They can't move out. They can't afford, you know, live on their own. They can't afford to start families. They can't afford uh, to start a business, to do all the things that, you know, their parents took for granted 20, 30, 40 years ago. It's sad. And it's, ref and it's reflective in, you know, the, the media, the memes, the culture, the TikToks, whatever. <laughs> it's all kind of nostalgic. People are kind of in like this era of, you know, looking back 
oh, things used to be better. There's like a really, it's not looking forward. It's kind of like this dreary nostalgia. And I think that kind of is like a veneer on the entire culture. And uh, it's a sad, it's a sad state of affairs. And I think, you know, the longer this goes on, it's only going to further divide uh, young people on political lines. They're going to go radical in either direction. They're going to go hard left. They're going to go hard right because they're looking for answers because the status quo is not working. And honestly, talking about the previous segment with, you know, the the speakership battle, you know, young people are going to look at that and say, you know, we don't care about the status quo. We Mm -hmm. don't care about Kevin McCarthy. We don't care about the party. You know, we're looking for something different because right now it's not working and it's not getting better. uh, And it's it's a sad state of affairs and they could feel it. It's not just a poll. It's not just a survey. They can't afford rent. They can't move out. And uh, sad, sad times ahead. It is sad times ahead. Also, also sad times for you as a native New Yorker and being yeah. uh, what I guess Giants and, and Mets fan, as, as you just told me earlier. <laughs> we don't have a lot, of, a lot to be happy for on the sports front. So, yeah. uh, Gavin, I so appreciate you being here. Uh, I look forward to talking with you more in the coming months as we near what I would say is probably the most important election yeah, uh, that we will ever experience. Yeah. So, well, thank, thank you, you so much. Me. Absolutely. Okay, guys, uh, let's turn from one young Republican to another fine American as we bring in 29-year-old Austin Terrio, a former NASCAR driver best known for winning the 2017 Menard Series Championship. But this speed racer has pivoted to politics. He's already a member of the Maine State House of Representatives, where he represents the state's first district, but now is attempting to compete on a bigger track, running for Congress in Maine's second congressional district. So let's go ahead and bring in Austin Terrio. There he is. Uh, good morning to you, Congressman. Uh, we have seen several celebrities. Uh, I first ones that come to mind, of course, for me, are Arnold Schwarzenegger, former governor of California. Also, we have the mayor of Knoxville, uh, Glenn Jacobs, who used to be in the WWE. Uh, athletes like them and yourself use their platforms to, insist, to transition to politics. So. What influenced you to do so initially, and what type of support have you noticed that may help you to stray from the typical voter base in Maine, given your background in sports? Well, thanks for having me, first of all. I really appreciate uh, coming on this morning. My my entry into politics is sort of non-conventional, like you said. Most most professional athletes, they sort of go into like commentating and, and stuff like that, but I've been interested in what was going on in, in Maine politics ever since I can remember. My first um, my first entree was a 2012 Maine Republican convention, and I was a delegate for my hometown. and And it was it was exciting because that was back during like the the uh, there was some there were some issues between I think Romney and and Ron Paul and all of that back in the day. And and the Republican Party was trying to figure out you know the direction it was going to head. Um, since then, I've had an amazing career traveling around the country and. But like most people here in the second district, I'm just super frustrated with how things are going. Um, Maine is falling farther behind. Our district is falling farther behind, even from other parts of the state of Maine. In the first district, Mm -hmm. it tends to be more successful. There's more money down there. Um, And just people are frustrated with the Biden administration. They're frustrated with the out-of-touch people down in D.C. Um, And for for the most part, on both sides. So it's time for a change. And and I feel like my voice and my background is going to be helpful in that change. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be helpful in the sense that right now what you're trying to do is you've got a, a, a bit of a tall task on your hands trying to take on incumbent Democrat U.S. Representative Jared Bolden for Maine's 2nd Congressional District in 2024. So what issues, knowing how much change our country needs, are you pushing for campaign wise that you've really seen more voters, specifically maybe younger voters, really rally around you about? 
I think the young voters are super concerned about the debt situation right now and the overspending going on in, in national politics. Um, you know, I'm in my I'll be in my 30s next year. Everybody that I know in my generation is just totally uh, not understanding the, the 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 current fiscal situation down in D.C. How we can be basically spending um, our generation's wealth, but but actually we're spending the next generation's wealth and the generation after that. So we've we've got to we've got to crack down on this out of control spending, and and I think that that conversation is going on right now in D.C. And um, as as far as as far as Jared Golden. It's going to be difficult. I mean, anytime you take on an incumbent, they have the special interest behind them. They have the money behind them. Um, you know, he he mm -hmm. does get a lot of his money from out of state. I think a majority of it comes from New York and and uh, and uh, you know other states similar to the to the to the sort of progressive politics that we see there. So um, we're not taking anything for granted. We're going to push hard, but the message that we're trying to get across is directly to the people. It's look, it's time for a change. Uh, Jared Golden's a nice guy, but he votes with the Democrats about 80 percent of the time. So he's not this independent voice uh, that that he really tries to portray himself to be. So um, he's voted for the Inflation Reduction Act, which come to find out was nothing more than a handout for environmental groups. Um, you know, votes like that, yes. I think, are the votes that we're going to we're really going to stress as being out of touch with the average Mainer. Has there have there been any campaign tactics that you have turned to uh, as far as reaching out to certain voter bases or, or using your sports background to compel people in a way that, uh, let's be honest, most boring politicians haven't been able to? Well, people are tired of politics. I mean, you got to have a story. You have to resonate with people. And a lot of times if you have a, um, a background story that you can share, you know, most people don't know. My grandfather left school at fourth grade. He can't read or write, but he lived the American dream. He started a, a successful business and he's wow. fortunately still with us today. So, um, you know, sharing stories about how hard and recognizing what the previous generations did to sacrifice for us. And I know the, the previous guest you had on was talking about how hard it is now to buy a house. And we've got people in their 20s yes. and 30s living at home. Um, that American dream is 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 falling farther away and people are not not able to uh access it and what happens right we get polarized politics we've got people who think that maybe the government should come in and bail us out and then we have people on the right that are just super frustrated with the political establishment and the political system um that's what we're getting because we've got years and years of politicians who just unfortunately put politics over the people and so we need a new generation of of leaders who are actually going to put the uh the people over politics it's so interesting isn't it that you have young adults who have done everything right and they're forced to live at home with their parents. And then you have illegals pouring into this country who are being put up in some of the nicest hotel rooms in New York City. Uh, it's really sad. Uh, also something that I wanna touch on with you because it's also very sad and it's making headlines this weekend. It happened in your state of Maine is there is a high school transgender cross country runner who as a boy competitor, ranked 172nd, and then upon transitioning or identifying as a female, I ended up placing fourth place. So 172nd place to fourth place. Uh, we all know that there are major biological differences between boys and girls, men and women. Where do you fall in the trans athlete debate? 
Well, it's an unfortunate situation. And, you know, most people think it's kind of removed from them until it ends up happening in their state. And and that's what we're seeing right now. I, I think it's a safety issue. I think it's a fairness issue. Um, you know, you've got these these females that have trained their whole life to be successful. And, and, and some of them um, are extremely competitive. But then you'll have you'll have a biological male come in and and I just don't think it's fair. You know, I, I'm, I'm somebody that has compassion um, for, for people in, in their differences. But at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're in, if we're playing sports, we got to follow the rules. And there's a reason that we have co-ed sports. And then there's a reason we have gender specific sports. Um, I mean, if you want to, if you want to come into NASCAR, you, you know, anybody, everybody's allowed because you don't have those, those, those physical differences don't show up as much on the racetrack, but um, certainly in other sports they are. And it's something that we've got to get a grapple on because I think it's going to, disenfranchise you know these females that have worked all their life to be successful yeah well, I, I hope more females start speaking up about it because right now there's a very small minority who are willing or at least have the courage to say something because you know how it goes you speak out against the lgbtq community you're labeled hateful and a bigot even if you have the best intentions at heart so austin congressman i am so thankful to have had you on i wish you the best of luck uh i wish that more People like you with platforms like you have would get into politics because I think that we need some major change in this country. And I think you are the exact type of person to help to bring that change along. So thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. If, if anybody wants to get involved, they can go to austinformain.com and, uh, and join the campaign. But thanks for having me on. Outkick the morning. We'll be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Absolutely. Have a good one. All right, everybody. Finally today, <laughs> the stories just write themselves. I swear every day it gets crazier and crazier. Uh, the left has helped to produce younger and younger legions of confused, out-of-touch kids that have forgotten that science exists in civilizations that have functioned since the dawn of time. Take, for example, men. Just the simple concept of men. Uh, and the question, do we need men in our society? Listen to this. Do we need men? No. Do we need men? Honestly, no. Do we need men? No. Why? Because they suck. <laughs> okay, well, some bad news to these man-hating feminists. I am so sorry to break this to you, but we absolutely need men. And not just for the sake of our population not dying out forever and the world coming to an end, but, well, men are imperative in the most important fields in the world. Men make up 85% of the military. That house or building you're currently sitting in, guess what? Almost 99% of construction jobs are man-made. Firemen, 92% men. Pilots, 91% men. 82% of farming jobs proudly occupied by men. And I just said the word man-made. It's something I celebrate but it's interesting because I was just thinking about it and I'm like, you know what? There is going to come a time, 
probably not too far off from now where the word man-made is no longer even allowed to be used. I can just see the liberal nut jobs coming after the word man-made. I mean, the writing is already on the wall, as we have already seen. But back to other man men-dominated industries that we would clearly suffer without. Uh, landscapers, well over 99% men. 99% of carpenters are men. Inventors, fishermen, policemen, also all male-dominated professions. So, guys, let's just cut the BS. Even if you hate men or embody the most extreme forms of feminism, there is no way you can say that we do not need men. And don't forget, if it wasn't for a man, you would not be alive. And that is a scientific fact. So imagine the irony when I saw these images from the University of Arizona. We have a man on campus wearing a diaper and walking around in high heels. Yep, a diaper. This is allowed and this is someone, I guess we're calling a man. I'm not really sure anymore. Uh, it's all very, very confusing and very interesting. Uh, there was a sign on the dorm room walls at the same campus that clearly said to please respect people of all identities and treat them fairly. This includes but is not limited to race, ethnicity, gender identity, physical, and invisible disabilities. <laughs> I mean, oh gosh. Um, you can bring me on camera for this. We don't need to see the sign anymore. I just, I have to react. What, what is an invisible disability? What are we even talking about anymore? Now you don't even have to have something to prove. It's just, it's just, it's an invisible disability. I, guys, I have a lot of invisible disabilities, let me tell you. I have had them my whole life. They pop up every day. Sometimes, sometimes I wake up with them and by, by the night they're gone. Or sometimes I go to sleep with them and then when I wake up, they're gone. But guys, it's, it's getting so outrageous. Uh, University of Arizona needs to get it together. Uh, there's a lot of universities in the country that need to get it together. Uh, but I fear we are going to go through a lot worse before we see any type of course correction. The social contagion has gotten out of hand. And now we have men walking around campus in heels and diapers. I'm frightened. I imagine all of the women on that college campus are frightened. I imagine all of the men on that college campus are frightened. Uh, okay, I'm just gonna leave you with that. Uh, Everybody, to those out there who have an invisible disability, I feel for you. Uh, I'm right there with you. <laughs> so uh, we're going to get through this together. And um, that's it. That's all, that's all the time we have for it. That's all the energy I have to exert here this morning uh, because I have to save some to, to fight my invisible disabilities. So guys, thank you so much for being here. Please do not forget, hit the subscribe button. We've got a show tomorrow. I will be coming to you live from Las Vegas because I'm covering UFC this weekend. Uh, I will be the fighter at this weekend's fight night. So I will be coming to you from Sin City and we've got a whole fun show on deck for you. So make sure to hit subscribe. Also hit the like button, leave me a comment comment. Uh, I want to hear what invisible disability you have. That's what you should comment. Uh, and you can find me on social media all over the place. Uh, X, Instagram, TikTok. Yes, everybody, I am on TikTok. I'm not very active on there, but I'm trying my best to uh, keep up with the, uh, the baby generation out there. Uh, handle is Charlie on TV. Uh, but for now, that's all the time we have. Everybody, thank you so much for being here for Outkick the Morning. I will see all of you live from Las Vegas tomorrow looking for the hottest sportsbook offers at outkick find exclusive promotions expert picks and the latest odds get in the game at outkick.com slash bet